turn water into wine You bring us back to life As you heal the broken hearted You are coming after us How great
And always will be our God who was and is, and always will be our God. Oh. services are still suspended until further notice. We enjoin you to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Please visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated, and our website, www.livingword.ph. You can also check out our YouTube channel, to view all of our services and programs. Our sermon can also be heard over DYFR-FM 98.7 on your dial every Saturday and Sunday at 8 p.m. We are also seen on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 p.m. Also, please check our Facebook page every day as we have lined up posts catering to our youth, our young adults, our couples, our worship lovers, the children's ministry, and others. Likewise, let me announce that we are pre-selling my next book, More Than Enough, at 300 pesos. The regular retail price is 350 pesos, so you get to save 50 pesos. The book is about learning how to conquer trials and sufferings. Kindly text your orders to 0931-037-6944. We also have a new gospel-centered discipleship material entitled Knowing Christ. It's available for only 150 pesos. Kindly text the number on your screen. Please do not also forget that we have an interactive midweek table talk every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. We have a series on the book of Revelation and right now we are talking about the tribulation period. Later on, we will likewise be talking about the rapture and the millennium. Please do not also forget our live intercession every Friday at 2 p.m. We would like you to join us in our prayers. There are a lot of things that we need to be praying for. So please join us every Friday at 2 p.m. We'd also like to thank our partners, 
and those who are our members who have been consistently giving to partner with us in the work of the Lord. We'd like to share our giving channels to those who would like to partner with us in the work of the Lord. You can deposit your love offerings to the following banks. Banco de Oro. Account name is LWCCCII. The account number is 001-0000060800. We also have a BPI account. Account name is Living Word Christian Ministries, Cebu Incorporated. Account number is 10210234811. Finally, we have RCBC. Account name is LWCCCII. Account number is 1452005286. You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Go to www.livingword.ph and click Give and then a dialog box comes out of it. Kindly click on your giving preferences. Good day once again, brothers and sisters. It's Sunday and it's going to be Communion Sunday, by the way. So I'd like us to prepare our hearts. And let me just greet our brethren from all our Living Word churches all over the Philippines and in different parts of the world. Allow me to greet as well all our viewers from uh, Asia, from Europe, from the United States, Canada, and many other countries like the Middle East. So God bless you once again this morning. We hope to be a blessing to all of you. So we are right now in part two of our study of genuine hope in God. Allow me to just read the passage once again, and I would like everybody to please rise from their seats right now. Psalm 42, for the choir director, a masculine of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime and His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? 
And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Shall we bow our heads in prayer at this time? Our dear Lord, we thank you, dear God, for this blessed occasion once again. It is the Lord's day. It is your day. A day we have dedicated and devoted to you. A day wherein you desire that we might worship you with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. And so here we are, O God, in full surrender. Allow us to be attentive to your words, O Lord, that we might be instructed, that we might be able to derive hope. Lord, we seek your face at this time. Bless us, O God, with your presence, though we are undeserving before you. We ask, O Lord, that you might minister to our souls. Refresh our hearts, O God. I pray for myself, O God, as your servant. Lord, you know that I am weak and that you are strong. And so I submit myself to you, my mind and my mouth and my heart, that I might be your mouthpiece, O God, to speak blessing to your people, to speak hope to your people, to speak of inspiration, Lord, to your people. I pray, O God, that your name might be glorified and honored once again in this blessed time. And whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. The big question again for us is, where do we find genuine hope? Now, I'd like to share to you that there is actually a big difference between what we call as biblical hope and the hope that this world understands. The hope of this world is more of a wish. There are certain things that they wish would happen, but again, they're not certain that it might take place. So they might be able to say, I hope this would happen. But in truth, it is more accurate for them to say, I wish this would happen. This, however, is not the biblical hope that the psalmist is talking about. The biblical hope that the Bible talks about is not just a patient waiting upon the Lord, but it is a confident expectation. It is a confident expectation based on who God is and based on His promises. That is why this kind of a hope is stable, it is secure, and we can place our confidence in what God says in His Word because we know that the God that we serve is not a liar. He is a God who speaks truth and only truth. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ summed up his person in John chapter 14 when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very clearly, he declares, I am the truth. Our God is the truth. And so we base our lives not on what we see, not on our circumstances, 
But we base our lives on the foundation of who God is and what His Word is saying. Now what I would like to do right now is to give you a review of our previous study. And so I'd like to go once again to the outline that I borrowed from my son AJ when he did a vlog on this series. First of all, in verses 1 to 6a, it says, Hope in God, though He seems distant. And then in verse 6b up to verse 8, Hope in God, though He seems harsh. In verses 9 to 11, it says, Hope in God, though He seems indifferent. That is found once again in verses 9 to 11. So let's dive into our text and let's take a look at the first part, which is really just a review of our previous sermon. So verses 1 to 6a speaks about hope in God, though He seems distant. It says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. Now in this verse, we find that the psalmist compares himself with a deer. And try to imagine a deer in the desert, running around, jumping. And as he jumps around and runs around, obviously he becomes dehydrated. And so there comes a point wherein the deer desperately pants for brooks of water. Now, this is the picture that the psalmist is painting before us, a picture of what he was feeling at that time. He was feeling a desperate thirst, but obviously, he is not desperate for water. What he is desperate for is the very presence of God. This was what he was thirsting for. Now, he was not merely thirsting for God because of his dire straits, but he was thirsting because of his knowledge of who God is. And once again, it is so very important for us to really study who God is. Because when we know who our God is, then we will be seeking God. Then we will be running to God. Then we will be desperate for God. Now in verse 2, he says, My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? The deepest need, the deepest longing and desire of the psalmist was God himself. And why was he thirsting for God? Because he declares that he is the God of my life, which could otherwise be translated as the source of my life. God is the one who sustains our very breath, and our very human existence. And because of that, it is but right that we desperately seek for Him. Now he comes up with a question here, when shall I come and appear before God? Now this tells us the fact that he was actually separated from temple worship in Jerusalem. I'd like to show to you a PowerPoint presentation which I actually got from the Temple Institute, I took a picture of a model of the temple. And so this is how the temple looks like in miniature form. Now, my wife and I were able to go up to the Temple Mount, as you will see in this picture. But obviously, the temple is no longer there because it was destroyed in 70 AD. In place of that, 
is the Dome of the Rock. The Jews, however, are still hoping and dreaming of building the third temple. Now that, of course, will be fulfilled, and that is part of biblical prophecy. And I'd like to invite you, by the way, if you're interested about biblical prophecy, please check out my table talk every Wednesday at 2 p.m., and I talk about the doctrine of future things. Anyway, the point here is that the psalmist was feeling this distance. He was feeling the fact that he was separated from temple worship, which he loved very much. And again, we can relate to this because there is a distance between us from our own homes and our former place of worship here at our center. And we're definitely missing the very presence of God in the midst of a worshiping congregation. This was what the psalmist was feeling at this time. Now he says in verse 3, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Now what was happening here was that the thing that was weighing heavily in the heart of the psalmist was this question, Where is your God? Now, this may have been a taunt that was coming from their oppressors who may have brought them into exile. This may have happened during the Babylonian exile. We're not really sure. Or this might merely be a taunt by the enemies of the sons of Korah. And they were asking, where is your God? Now, regardless of who was making this taunt, this was really weighing heavily in the heart of the psalmist. Now, he was feeling this sense of abandonment of the seeming distance of God. Because of this, he was having an emotional meltdown. He was eating the bread of tears. In verse 4, he says, These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Now, of course, the sons of Korah were the ones who wrote this psalm. And the Korahites were given responsibilities for the tabernacle. And one of the responsibilities was to serve in the temple through singing and playing musical instruments. This was the ancient worship team. And they missed the privilege of worshiping God as part of the worship team. In verse 5, they say, Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. For the help of His presence, O my God, my soul is in despair within me. So what's, what was the solution of this psalmist in relation to the despair that he was feeling? Well, his solution was self-counseling. He was preaching to himself. In fact, as I mentioned to you last time around, he was not only counseling himself, he was not only preaching to himself, but he was also commanding himself to hope in God. Now, I like what... Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says here, and it's really beautiful. This is something we can actually apply in our lives. He goes, 
The main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this. That we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problem of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 was this. Instead of allowing the self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, he asks. His soul had been repressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. Do you know what I mean? If you do not, you have but little experience. So that forms the review of our previous sermon. And so now we're ready to dive in to point number two, which is hope in God, though he seems harsh, which is found in verses 6b all the way to verse 8. Let me read verse 6b up to verse 7. It says, Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Now, where was Mount Hermon? Well, actually, if you take a look at the map of Israel, you will find Mount Hermon at the northernmost tip of Israel. That is a long, long distance away from Jerusalem. Now, why was the psalmist there? We actually have no idea. As I mentioned to you, we are given very little background in relation to this psalm. So, we don't know why he was in Mount Hermon. Having said that, however, once again, this explains the kind of longing that he had for temple worship because he was a far distance away from Jerusalem. Now, this is very relevant, of course, in the light of our own experience. We are distanced from our place of worship at this time. We're now situated, in fact, in our own homes. And so whatever feelings the psalmist was feeling, that is the same feeling that you and I have. The feeling of desperation, the feeling of longing, the missing of the gathering that we used to have, the missing of the place of worship that we used to go into. These are the feelings that are now going through our system. And that's exactly what the psalmist was feeling. Now, the psalmist refers to Mount Mizar. Mount Mizar means little hill or little mountain. This was probably one of the lesser peaks in the Mount Hermon range. Now, Mount Hermon is actually a range of several mountains. Now, let me show to you a picture on our PowerPoint. One of the peaks... Of Mount Hermon. Now, I don't know if this is Mount Mizar. I believe the Bible scholars don't even know exactly where this was. This, but this was probably 
one of the places or maybe near Mount Mizar itself. So the psalmist was situated in this place. Now in verse 7, we find that the language is quite similar to the language of Jonah. He was being chastised by God. The psalmist seems to be disciplined by God. Now take note of the words that were used here. Your waterfalls, your breakers, and your waves indicate that this was a discipline that was coming from God. As we see the possessive pronoun, your waterfalls, your breakers, your waves. Now the question of course is, why was the psalmist being disciplined? Or why were the sons of Korah being disciplined? We, we don't know the reason why. And possibly in this situation that we are in, we might be thinking, is this possibly God's discipline on me? Is this possibly God's discipline on God's people? And that might be so. I'd like to quote to you what uh, Peter Craigie says here, the kind of overwhelming feeling that he had as a result of the discipline. It says here, he he describes the psalmist's feeling here. He says, he longed for water in thirst. But thinking of the waters of the ocean and those of the river, it is their waves and waterfalls that dominate his mind. Like one chaotic deep calling to one another. He had longed for the waters of refreshment. But somehow in the effort to remember God, he had unleashed the primeval waters of chaos, which seemed to depict so powerfully his terrible situation. Now, this metaphor here speaks of helplessness and a sense of being overwhelmed by the circumstances. And this might well be the kind of feeling that you and I have. We're feeling overwhelmed. We're feeling as if the breakers of God, the waves of God, the waterfalls of God are falling hard on our chest, falling hard on our minds. Our minds are being tormented. And once again, it is possible that God is actually disciplining us. Now, I believe Peter was talking about a certain kind of purging. Now, this kind of a purging might not necessarily mean that we are lingering on certain sins, but maybe God wants to develop certain things in us. And I recall one particular quiet time I had, and I was meditating not only on the Word of God, but I was also thinking about the situation that we are in. And so at that time, I was asking God the question, Lord, what are you really doing here? And somehow I was reminded by God of a passage in Romans chapter 5. And God was speaking to my heart and he was saying, What I am trying to develop in you right now is character and perseverance and hope. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that that is exactly what God is developing in us? And friends, that cannot be developed in a classroom setting. That cannot be developed because I write something on a blackboard. 
That is something that can only be developed in the crucible of experience when you and I are under fire. When you and I are going through a life experience such as what we are experiencing right now. There are certain lessons that are better caught than taught. In this kind of a situation, definitely, if we are responding correctly to God and to the Holy Spirit, these are things that will really grow us into spiritual maturity. This will develop our fortitude. This will develop our strength, our spiritual strength. This will develop our faith. This will stretch us. And make us develop the fruit of the Spirit. And so the question we need to be asking ourselves is, are we submitting ourselves to the Lord? Oftentimes when we think of situations like this, we might be thinking that this is really for the world. This is not for us believers in Christ. But I would like to correct you on that as I bring you to 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 17, it says, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. Let me read that once again. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. So the big question is, where does judgment begin? Even, even before it starts with the world, the Bible says judgment will begin with the household of God. And why does that happen? That happens, my dear brothers and sisters, because to whom much is given, much is required. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have been instructed by God through the preaching of God's Word every Sunday. We have Christian books that help us, guide us, instruct us, bless us, inspire us. We have a lot of spiritual equipment. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so think about all these things that you and I have in Christ. And because we have all of these things, we're supposed to be overcomers. We're supposed, we're supposed to be triumphant in the face of trials and the face of temptation. And many times in spite of the spiritual repository of truth that we have in our spiritual hands, in spite of the fact that we have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we tend to drift away from God. We tend to forget God. We tend to have our love towards God grow cold. We have this tendency to be lax and complacent. And sometimes God has to bring us through this furnace of fire. If only to bring out the gold in us. If only to skim off the, the dirt, the filth, and the dross that we have in our lives. And that is why God always begins his judgment with his household. We need to remind ourselves of that. And again, let me just complete 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. It says, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and if it begins with us first. There you go. 
It begins with us first, the Bible says. It says, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Yes, God is going to deal with the world. God is going to deal with those who reject Him. God is going to deal with those who are rebels. God is going to deal with those who do not worship God, who have idols in their hearts. But even before God does that, He will first of all purify His church. And that is exactly what I see here. God is purifying us. Are we responding to this purification process that God is allowing us to go through? My prayer to the Lord is that we are being submissive. My prayer to the Lord is that we are being humble. My prayer to the Lord is that we are broken and that we have this contriteness of spirit so that God might somehow bring out the best in us. We all have great and mighty potential, brothers and sisters. Now, in the mind of God, He is imagining and He is hoping that we would attain to a certain level of maturity. But remember, sanctification is synergistic. We cannot simply wait upon the Lord to do everything. We have to participate with God. Yes, the Bible says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God who is at work in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, tells us that we need to walk in the path that God has prepared for us beforehand. The good works are there, but we need to walk into that path. And some of us, instead of walking into the path that God has laid for us, are moving away from God. And that should not be true, my dear brothers and sisters. Could it be that God is purging us at this time? The psalmist continues on in Psalm 42 verse 8. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Now, what was the psalmist trying to say here? What he was saying is that in spite of the discipline, he was confident that God's loving kindness will resurface once again in his life. He had the faith that God was going to throw him a lifeline in this situation. And once again, friends, even as God disciplines us, we need to understand that He provides a way of escape for us. He provides a lifeline for us. He provides a way to deliver us so that we do not remain in the dire situation we are in. That is why it is so beautiful when He says here, the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And then it says, His song will be, will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. That inspires so much hope in our hearts. Yes, there is darkness. And you know, we can be in the darkest night of our lives. But even though we might be in the darkest night of our lives, remember this, daytime will always come. 
we might be in the longest, darkest night of our lives. But friends, we will still be able to step out into the light. Interestingly, the psalmist now addresses God's personal name and covenant name, which is Yahweh. In verse 8, instead of using Elohim, he uses Yahweh. The question is why? As Yahweh, Israel had seen a God who actively saves his people with whom he has a covenant. I'd like you to highlight that. He actively saves his people with whom he has a covenant. Now we are in the new covenant. We are now in the new testament. God has made a covenant with us. That is why in Timothy it says, Though we are faithless, he remains faithful to us. And we can expect that of our God. In spite of the feeling of abandonment, God has never really abandoned nor deserted us. He is still here with us. He remains in our midst. He is simply teaching us something. But His covenant loving kindness remains with us. As Yahweh, God's people could expect His loving kindness, which comes from the Hebrew word hesed. And we are thankful for God's hesed. Because without God's hesed, the moment you and I fall and stumble and fail, we're gone. But because of God's hesed, He can always pick us up from the miry clay where you and I have stumbled and fallen. And we can rise back once again and be restored in the very presence of the Lord. Now, some scholars believe that it is no accident that here alone in this first psalm of the Elohistic Psalter, the name of Israel's covenant God, Yahweh, appears together with loving kindness. As one Bible scholar said, it is as if the two belong together. Yahweh and Hesed cannot be separated. The steadfast love or Hesed of Yahweh is His faithful, committed, covenant love that endures forever. This is what we can expect from our God. And that is why here the psalmist could say, and let me just read once again. It says, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. His song will be with me in the night. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you have a song in this night? We should have a song. Why? Because the peace of God can accompany us in the midst of this duress, in the midst of this tribulation. You know, in the United Kingdom, we have a church there. We actually have two churches. We have one church in Silverdale, and we have another church in Longton. Now, interestingly, most of the members of our church in those places are health workers. And because they are health workers, they get exposed with many patients. And many of them have actually been infected by COVID-19. And they have infected as well the very members of their own family. Now one particular story goes that 
one of our health workers there, Sister Cheryl Pasqua, was infected with COVID-19. And the symptoms were not mild at all. They were very strong symptoms. So she had difficulty in breathing. Pain was all over her body and all over her bones. And she was having this terrible migraine headache. It was as if her, her life was being sucked out of her. And definitely, if you are in a situation like that, you're not only fearful for your family, you're even fearful for your own life. But she is such a strong Christian and she meditated on God's word. She clung on to God. And as she clung on to God, she says in her testimony that God gave her this peace. That peace that surpasses all understanding. That peace that garrisons our minds in Christ Jesus. And it is during these dark moments in our lives because of the peace of God, because of the joy that He supplies even in this situation, we can have a song in the night. We can still sing during the night. Why? Because of the faithfulness of God, because of the loving kindness of God, because of the hesed of God, because of His covenant faithfulness to us, we can still sing during these dark times. Friends, do not lose your song in the night. Continue singing to the Lord, the our God, the God who is our Yahweh. Now our song and our prayer will be heard by the God of my life. This was how the psalmist addresses God. The God of my life. And this is the big question I believe that I have to ask you. Is God the God of your life? Now today we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. And let me tell you, the only ones who can celebrate the Lord's Supper are those who have this relationship with Jesus Christ, those who have made Jesus the Lord and the Savior of their lives. Now, why is it that only they could celebrate the Lord's Supper? Only they could celebrate the Lord's Supper because only they understand what Christ has done for them. And what is it that Christ has done for them? Christ died for them. As we take on the bread, as we pick up the bread later on, I hope you have prepared the elements of the Lord's table. As you pick up that unleavened bread, understand that that symbolizes the body of Jesus Christ. That body became our substitute. We were the ones who were supposed to be nailed on the cross because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Christ took our place. The penalty of our sins, the wrath of God, the, the wrath that was supposed to be upon us was received by Christ himself so that you and I would no longer be condemned. So that through his shed blood, which is symbolized in the wine, could somehow provide forgiveness for all our sins, past, present, and future. That is why the only ones who could celebrate the Lord's Supper are those who have a relationship with him. 
Those who are saved, those who understand that salvation is not by our own performance, but salvation is a free gift of God. Only you can celebrate that. But even as it is an exclusive celebration, it is also an invitation to those who do not have Christ. I recall in the olden times when believers celebrated, there were people who were called catechumenates. And they would come to church. They were sympathizers of the Christian faith. And yet they had not yet surrendered their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, they were not permitted to join in the celebration of the Lord's table. But they were there present to witness this celebration. And so this celebration of the Lord's Supper was not only a proclamation to believers of what Christ has done, but it became an invitation to the catechumenates for them to accept Christ so that they too could join in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And that is why as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, I would like to invite you who have not yet accepted Christ to come to Him, receive Him into your life, and He will cleanse you of all your sins, and your name shall be written in the book of life. Life is so fragile right now. I know of certain people who have died of COVID-19 and maybe you yourself know of certain people who have died of COVID-19. And I ask you this question, if COVID-19 catches up with you, if it so happens that you die, do you know where you're going? Could you say like the psalmist, he is the God of my life. I pray that you will commit your life to the Lord right now even because life is so fragile. Life is so uncertain. But if there is one thing that is certain, it is the salvation of God. And you can have that assurance of salvation when you receive Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior even as you repent of all your sins. And so, again, the question is, is He the God of your life? That question is so crucial if you are going to have genuine hope. We now go to our final point. Hope in God, though He seems indifferent. Allow me to read verses 9 to 11. It says here, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Now, did you observe the structure of the psalm? The structure is lament as found in verses 1 to 4. And then hope in verse 5. And then lament again in verses 6 to 7. And then hope again in verse 8. And then you will see the pattern. In verses 9 to 10, you have lament once again. 
and then hope in verse 11. So it was as if this psalmist was going through a roller coaster ride. It was like he was going through the vicissitudes of his life. And the conundrum was that he was having valley experiences. He was having mountaintop experiences. So there were times when he felt strong. He felt emotionally high. He felt that he was all right spiritually. But then again, he will be hit once again by waves of depression, waves of anxiety, waves of worry. And so he's back down once again, lamenting once again before the Lord. And then he rises back once again in hope. And probably that is how you and I are feeling right now. As we go through the varying situations that we are in. Sometimes we're expecting that things are going to get better and then all of a sudden things become worse. And so it seems like our hopes have been dashed. But then again, friends, remember what I mentioned to you. Our hope and our faith should not be dependent on what we see. It should be dependent on what the Word of God is telling us. We need to base our hope on what the Word of God says. Now, definitely that will involve some patient waiting upon God. But let God be God. Let Him accomplish what He desires to accomplish in this life of ours and in the lives of other people as well. Now, in every lament we might have before God, remember this. What the psalmist is saying is that we need to put our hope before God. Don't stay in the lament. Rise above and over the lament and continue to hope in God. I'd like to quote to you Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the treasure of David. And he says, Hope is the grace that swims, though the waves roar and be troubled. In the garden of hope grow the laurels for future victories. The roses of coming joy, the lilies of approaching peace. So again, we find here that whatever we're going through, we might be feeling abandoned, we might be feeling oppressed because of the taunting of people and it leaves a bad taste in our palates. But take courage, brothers and sisters. Our God is a God of loving kindness. I'd like to quote to you what my son said. He says, Aside from the psalmist in Psalm 42, David, Hannah, Elijah, and Paul, and other biblical examples of people who went through depression, you have also mighty men in church history, like Charles Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and David Brainerd, who went through depression. And the common cure for their depression was not ultimately a pill nor a 12-step program. The ultimate cure for them and for you is a person. And he is the greatest person you can even know. You could even know he is God. Yes, friends, you need to preach to yourself hope in God. You need to counsel yourself Hope in God. You need to command yourself hope in God. 
That is what we need to do. Only then, brothers and sisters, will we discover and find genuine hope. It is only in God and in God alone. So again, friends, let me leave you with this question. So where do we find genuine hope? Genuine hope is found in God and in God alone. Now we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. Allow me to read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and downwards. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Once again, let me just remind you, this is an exclusive celebration only for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Let us now pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for this blessed time that we could celebrate what you have done for us. We will never, ever be able to pay you back for what you have done. We are eternally indebted to the salvation that you accomplished for us. Lord, where is our hope of salvation? It is not in good works. It is not in our performance. It is not in what we do. It is not in other people or other persons. Our hope of salvation lies with you and you alone, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And thank you, Lord, that you have made us part of your kingdom. Our sins have been erased and our names have been written in the book of life. For that, we thank you. We remember you in these elements, the bread symbolizing your body, and Lord, the cup symbolizing the blood that cleanses and washes us from all unrighteousness. Again, our deepest gratitude and thanks to you, O Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. First of all, let us partake of the bread right now. Let us now take the cup and partake of it. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this sermon. Indeed, we have genuine hope in God. But that genuine hope in God is derived 
because of Jesus Christ. Without the salvation that comes through the sacrifice of Christ, we do not really have hope. Because without redemption, without salvation, there is no life to speak about. But Lord, since you died and paid for all our sins, you have now given our lives meaning and purpose and assurance that if and when we die, we shall be with you forever. Lord, I know that many have been discouraged. Many, Lord, are feeling depressed. But Lord, we thank you that just like the psalmist, we can counsel, we can preach, and we can command ourselves to hope in God. For indeed, the hope that we have is not like the world. It is not a wish, but it is a certainty. And so we owe you everything. We thank you, dear Lord, for that. And we will be very careful to give you back all the glory, praises, and thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So God bless you once again, brothers and sisters. It's been a lovely, wonderful Sunday morning for all of us. And I'd like to thank you for keeping me company. Once again, we would want to share uh, and spread the word. So please like and share this video. Uh, put it on your Facebook wall. Share it on Viber. Share it on Messenger, please. And uh, by the way, this is something that this video is something that you can find on our Living Word YouTube page. Just uh, search it and you will find all our preachings there, including my table talk and our live intercession. And so my team, my wife Marie and my son AJ would like to say, to say hi and goodbye. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.